0: Hi, Bill McMurdo here and we're looking at a continuation of our study on Isaiah chapter 60 and being the Isaiah 60 generation. Uh, This is a vital study. Uh, This is beyond important. It's of massive uh, importance at this time. So let's just get into it. Arise, shine for the light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. We looked at that verse. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, gross darkness of people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. It's interesting how we're told that we've to arise, but then told that as we do that, when we do that, the Lord will arise upon us, and his glory shall be seen. We're talking about manifest glory. And if if you're a believer and you've you've got a longing in your heart for God to move, that's what it's about. You're longing to see manifest glory. You're longing to see the glory of God manifest upon His ecclesia and to and upon His people, and to see the kingdom come forth into a revealed manifestation in the earth. And uh, here in Scotland, that's that's what our longing is for. We're Starting arise Scotland meetings. We're initiating at uh, this arise Scotland project that we just we're, we're really just positioning ourselves, praying, preparing, and positioning for revival, and not just for here in Scotland, but hopefully, and and believing for a move of God that will impact the nations, leading the nations is what we're all about at this time. And Isaiah sixty is that generation. And that's what we're going to look at. It says here, the Gentiles or the nations shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. What God does upon you and what God God does in you and what God does through you is meant to have an impact that brings people, that attracts people. And not just uh, Joe Bloggs. Kings, to the brightness of thy rising. Now, I'm going to say this to you, I'm reading into this, that that's not just bringing leaders, because it should, but it's also saying, I think, it's talking potential here. What it's really saying, uh, it it will attract leaders, it will attract governmental leaders. It will attract politicians who don't have a clue how to govern nations. But And it means that, and I I want to emphasise that, but I also think it means When it says kings to the brightness of the rising, it means that we're to disciple people to become kings and priests, that we're to raise up a generation of kings, of leaders, of people who can go forth. So people who have that call of God in them to be kings and priests and function apostolically, function governmentally, it's talking to them. It's saying that the brightness of our rising and the Lord's glory being seen on us will attract people who have that call of God in their lives to be leaders themselves and to lead the nations. Oh wow, that's that's exciting stuff. Then it says, it says, Lift up thine eyes round about and see. Sometimes you have to get your head out of the doldrums and see. You have to look, you have to fix your gaze on something and say, What am I looking at here? It says, and lift up thine eyes and see. All they gather themselves together, they come to thee. Thy son shall come from far, and thy daughters shall be nursed at thy side. This is just symbolic language for saying, look, revival. Look, the great awakening is coming. Look, multitudes are coming. Nations are coming. Multitudes are coming. Peoples are coming. Kings are coming. They're all coming. They're all gathering themselves. You know, I, I like that word gather. I like that word gathering. It means that God is doing something. To bring people together for a purpose. And and that purpose isn't just revival as an end in itself. we have just been done through talking with uh, a brother about the Kilcith revival that happened in the early days of the 20th century and its importance to the whole Pentecostal movement here in Britain. Guys like George Jeffries were involved, Smith Wigglesworth. Um, what came out of that revival in Southside and previous revivals, going back, um, you know, uh, further in time, God has a purpose, and that purpose is, is a gathering, a gathering of people. And the purpose isn't, as I said, just revival in itself, but it's transformation of the nations, it's societal transformation, it's bringing a kingdom culture. It's it's a harvest for sure, but it goes way beyond just getting a bunch of folks saved. And I'm looking for more than that in Scotland. I'm looking for transformation. John Knox brought a reformation to Scotland, or God did through him. And we need reformation, transformation, all of that today. We need it. We're we're in in dire need of it. And I want to say this, because this is on my heart to say. We 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 gotta stop having this pleading for revival. Okay, I'm not saying if God leads you to plead. Please understand, but we've got this thing that the more we ball and squall, the more we beg and plead that that God is looking for that. You know, there's an insult a little bit to the Lord there because it implies that we want it more than Him. It's like, well, we can't really be bothered, but if we annoy Him enough, and I don't think that's the case. I think God is more ready to send revival than we are to receive it. But we have to sometimes redefine. Our terms, even that term there, send revival. We're here. Because let me ask you a question. If God send revival, who's he going to send it to and who's he going to send it through? If you're here on the earth functioning as a body of Christ or a member of the body of Christ, then he's going to send it through you. You're already here. You've already got the Holy Ghost. You already have his word. You already have his plan. You already see the need. So what does he have to send? You're here already. If God when God sends something, he sends men, he sends people. Holy Ghost filled people. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Well get more filled if you need to, but you're already here. So and I and I've been thinking a lot about Evan Roberts in the Welsh Revival, and he had, I think had a different Attitude to revival than we have. We have something that looks like it can bring revival. Which is this a religious idea that if we just beg more, plead more, cry more, ask for more mercy, repent more. In other words, it's all about what we do. And it's not about what God has already done. And he's already done everything that we need for revival. Oh, he has to send it. We can't whip it up in our own. Well, there's a truth to that. But you know, he sent you. And if you're not God's answer to your generation, who else is? All right, let's press on. It says here, lift up thine eyes and see. In other words, it's already here. The harvest is already here. You just have to identify it and step over into it. That's really what I think Evan Roberts was saying, that he'd stepped over into that place of revival. He was there, I think, before anyone else was. And I, and it's going to be a generation that steps into it, not a generation that stands off from it and p- pretends, and a lot of it is pretend, that they're longing for it, they want to see it. You know, the Lord put it to me like this. These people go up to the mountain, they look over, they circle the mountain, they look over at the promised land and they say, and then they go away and they come back again the next week at the next prayer meeting. Why not just go over? Why not just step over and revival? Why not just be? As uh, William Booth said, I'm not looking for a move of God. I am a move of God. I think we need more of that thinking, more of that attitude. Anyway, let's, let's read on. The multitude of camels shall cover thee. The dromedaries, this is verse 6 of Isaiah 60, of Midian and Ephah, all they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense. They shall show forth the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together unto thee. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister unto thee. They shall come up with acceptance on mine altar. And I will glorify the house of my glory. That is what God is saying right now to Scotland, to your nation, to where you are, to you. I will glorify the house of my glory. Scotland was once the house of God's glory. Britain was once the house of God's glory. Uh, God wants to glorify his house. We're already his house. Here in Britain, we're covenanted people. Our forefathers, the covenanters, close in the name, and the Puritans, and all those ones of previous generations that signed national covenants, signed them in perpetuity. They didn't just sign up themselves to their generation. They signed all future generations. You're covenanted whether you like it or not. You might be watching this, you're not even a Christian, you don't like this stuff, you're all, you're covenanted. If your forefathers signed that covenant, it covers you. Now, if you are a Christian and your forefathers signed the covenant, it's glory time. But even if you're not, you're still bound by its terms. That's how this stuff works. I keep getting into that. In deeper realms. But I, but I, but I want to press on with this just now. Maybe another time. But anyway, who are these that flies a cloud and as the doves to their windows or that word windows can mean roofs or portals who are these that flies a cloud and as the doves to their portals this prophet isaiah he's seeing a massive emigration of people to the people of god he's seeing Harvest, revival, multitudes. He's seen people swept into God's purpose, God's kingdom, God's Zion, uh, God's family, we would say. He's seen that and they're they're coming in. And uh, it's interesting. It says here, surely the isles shall wait for me. The isles, we're, we're in the British Isles. And I believe Isaiah was talking about a future generation of uh, god's people in the isles in the british isles the ships of tarsus first the ships of Tarshish actually have been identified uh with ships uh coming and going from britain tarsus incidentally if you're going to study it out um it, there, were, there is a meaning of dove and, and i'm going to say this i am giving this message right now from the church building that i pastor in Tharsis Street in Glasgow, and Tharsis is is a, a it, it literally means Tarsish. Um, so there's a prophetic importance here to to even where I am right now. I'm in Tharsis Street, and Tharsis is just another pronunciation of Tarshish Isn't that exciting? Isn't that prophetic? Isn't that, oh, it's a coincidence? There's no coincidences in God okay so I'm, I'm, I'm receiving this the isles shall wait for me the British isles are waiting for the Lord or in other words well you could say well he's waiting on us God is waiting on us but there's a waiting that's done you know how, how can I put this even the land Even the physical ground, even the earth itself, longs. Creation awakes. The manifestation, creation groans. The creature, the creation is groaning, waiting for the manifestation. Of what? Of that great end time move of God. If you're a premillennialist, it's the end time move of a God that will bring a period, a short period of unprecedented glory and blessing, you see, uh, to, to the earth. And if you're a post-millennialist, then we're ent- entering the gospel age and a millennium, a thousand years, either literal or allegorical. And although, but, but whatever, a short period or a long period, regardless, regardless sorry, of your eschatology, here's the whole point. A period of glory. The manifestation of the sons of God. The peacemakers, the reconcilers, those that reconcile and God to mankind, those that bring an unprecedented age, be it it short or long, of glory and blessing and healing to the nations, of salvation, of deliverance, of, of national peace, security, safety, blessing, particularly if you're a haven nation and Britain is a haven nation to be, uh, as parts of America, at very least maybe all of America, but certainly parts, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and any nation I believe that rises up and says I'm going to be a sheep nation and you can pray that for your nation. What's the point? The point is a very simple one. That this is the manifested sons. This is the man-child generation. This is the, the, the generation of the mature sons coming into full maturity, full manifestation of their status, being the Jesus to their generation. Uh, You know, I've been, uh, I'm a a big fan and student of the works of Kelly Varna, and he wrote that wonderful book, Moses, uh, uh, the Master and the Man-Child, and his uh, concept of that God has a son every 2,000 years, Moses being the son uh, that brought the law, Jesus, of course, being God's son. And then, of course, the man-child, which is the full uh, corporate uh, man-child or the the manifestation of the fullness, the perfect man of Ephesians 4, in other words, um, of the church being the many-membered corporate body, the man-child, the overcomer. My goodness me, that's exciting stuff. You need to get Kelly Varner's books. Uh, get um, secrets of the ascended life and get that book. Moses the Master, and the Manchild, because he's taught. This is what Isaiah's talking about in, in chapter sixty here. He's talking about an end time generation that walks in the fullness, that walks in dominion, that is the Manchild generation, the Manifested Sons, the Perfect Man, the the Benjamin Company, uh, all these wonderful allegories that are, that are in Scripture or, or or actual descriptions of this generation we're living in those times we're living right now in those times so let's read on he says surely the isle shall wait for the ships of tarsis first or, we got into them to bring thy sons from father As right, people 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 are coming multitudes are coming nations are coming their silver and their gold with them unto the name of yahweh thy god now Why does he mention silver and gold? Because it's the great end-time wealth transfer. This must be read in conjunction with Revelation 18 because the two are parallel. As Babylon falls among the nations, there's going to be a great end-time transfer of wealth. Peter Wagner spoke about it. Others have too. I preach it myself. That The fall of Babylon is a wealth transfer event bringing the wealth, the silver, the gold, the wealth of the nations into the hands of the haven nations and the remnant people of God in those nations. And that remnant will swell and grow because there will be multitudes swept into the kingdom, swept into the church, the ecclesia of God. So they bring their silver and their gold with them. Unto the name. Now, let, let me just remind you this. The temple was built to house the name. Go and check that out. God, God said it. He was building a house to house his name, to tabernacle his name. Okay? It wasn't just the presence, it was the name. Because when you invoke the name, the presence comes. If I called your name and you were in another room, you would come. Because calling the name brings the presence. So when we call upon the name, the sacred name, Yahweh, and of course the name of uh, Yeshua or Jesus, his son, Jehovah and Jesus, uh, Yahweh, Yeshua. When we call upon the name of Jehovah, of Yahweh, what happens is we invoke his presence. So the temple was built to house the name because where the name is hallowed and the name is called upon, there the presence will come and tabernacle with us. That's why he writes his name in our forehead. And that's why the beast wants to put, you know, a mark or number on us because it's the counterfeit. Of the true, and the true is that he's written his name. He sealed us with his name, so we they come with the name, and to the holy one of Israel, because he hath glorified thee. You know we talk a lot about glory, glory, glorifying the Lord, and and that's right. But you know what happens when you glorify his name? He glorifies you. That's why he wants you to do it, because the glory that's that that is in him, and. Uh, the glory that was in Jesus and upon Jesus, the glory of God, that is his presence, his manifest presence. He wants that glory on you. He wants to glorify you. You're the house of his glory. I believe that refers to nations, haven nations, uh, what we call Israel nations. But it also applies individually to those who are Christians, because our body is the temple, the house of God, and we're corporately the house of God, so God is tabernacling with men in this era. But but the that we're we're going from Pentecost to Tabernacles. What I mean by that is that that tabernacling of God, whilst it's wonderful, we experience it, and if you you're Pentecostal, you're baptized in the Spirit, then then you you maybe have a more full. Uh, experience of it than those who, who who aren't filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues. But I believe that we're going to enter into yet another age, the man-child, the manifested sons, where the tabernacle of God with men, there's going to be a manifest presence far greater, there's going to be a glory far greater, it will be physically seen. I would say almost routinely, probably all the time with some people in some churches yeah in some gatherings in some ministries you you physically see the we've we've had snatches of that, but we're going to see a lot more all right, let's read on it says here, the sons of strangers shall build up thy walls, verse ten, and their king shall minister unto thee, sons of strangers mean second third, fourth generation immigrants. What does that mean? It means that people that come, I'm talking really mainly about people that come from other religions that come and, 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 and dwell in our nation, that dwell beside us, and we've had a lot of that in the West, immigrants, they're going to minister unto us. They're going to be people that see the glory that's on us and they want a peace and, and why not? They'll minister unto thee. For in my wrath I smote thee but in my favour have I had mercy on thee. We could say that God has has allowed judgment to come upon some of our nations because uh, of the way that we have disregarded him, rejected him, sullied his name, dishonoured him, worshipped idols, practised abominable practices. Um slaughtered the unborn, being very blasé about the things of God, not fearing him. So we, we, we that's like his wrath means that he's He's allowed judgment to come upon us. He's allowed, for example, a British empire to diminish the power and influence of Britain because we are Britain was a godly Christian nation. not saying it was perfect. But we honoured God in so many of our customs and traditions and our laws and so on. We don't do that now. And so, our, 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 and I'm talking about Britain here. There the are other nations um, have have similar, but you know, Britain was a nation that the hand of God was mightily upon, with the greatest empire in the history of the world in terms of reach, uh, far greater than the Roman Empire. So, where are we at? Where are we at right now? And the answer is. That we have rejected the Lord. So, but it's, it's all going to turn around. There's going to be a move of God that will change all that. So, He says that His uh, wrath, He smote us, but in His favour, He's going to have mercy. Oh, He's going to have mercy. Therefore, it says, verse 11, thy gates shall be open continually. Gates is talking about uh, a city. Cities had gates, and the gates symbolically. And the Bible uh, it speaks about government. speaks about the place where uh, it, it was not just the entry point and the exit points of cities. Uh, it meant that that's where decisions were made. That's where government was. Was you know the, the gates of a city speak symbolically of government. And he says your gates will be open continually. Now think about that in terms of this present moment in church, where our doors are well, they're not closed right now. But they have been closed, and in some places, they're, they're, you know every restriction and imposition has been put upon churches to discourage their gates being open and just people can come in. And remember, you see, what well, what's church got to do with government? Everything because the word ecclesia means governmental assembly. So the government of God in the earth is church, is ecclesia, or should be. It's not just a place we go to have holy meetings, you know, religious you know, four hymns and a few prayers and a nice wee message. If that's church to you, and even if it's Hillsong Bethel, you know, loose, you know, charismatic church, that's not church either, biblically. I'm not saying all of it isn't church. We need to get back to Bible church, as in, understanding that church is God's alternative government in the earth, where the least of his saints can bring about societal change, governmental change, simply by making decrees and declarations in line with God's purpose and God's word, under apostolic and prophetic leadership, and of course uh, pastors, teachers, evangelists too, in other words, the fivefold ministry as a leadership structure, as the executive branch, and training up others to enter into these positions so that we all come to that mature, perfect man that really any saint can make a decree sitting in his living room and it changes the highest realms of government in the land. Now, not saying we sit and we do our own uh, bossing about uh, just a whim. We do it in line, line sorry, with God's purpose. We do it in line with what God says in his word that God wants that the things on earth be patterned after things in heaven, so there are no dictators, there are no Babylonian leaders, there are no politicians in heaven, there, are, there is only the government of God and designated ministers and servants, angels, cherubs, seraphims, whatever it is, and of course, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the saints. Mount Zion, the new Jerusalem, the city of God, the governmental structure and assembly of God, both in both in heaven and the glory realms and here on earth, connected uh, through through portals and through uh, the connection that just as it is in heaven, so it's to be in earth. And we're the portals, we're the vessels, we're the ones that bring that about through our prayers, through our preaching, our proclamation, our very labors, our very existence. We become the extension of heaven's government. And dominion, and we be that in the earth, and we work completely in conjunction, aligned with the throne of God in heaven. That's what Isaiah 60 is about. He says, Okay, thy gate shall be open continually, the portals will always be open. The portals between heaven and earth, we're the portals, we're portals, we're the house of God, we're Bethel, not Bethel and Reading. I don't mean that. I mean we're all Bethel. If you're if you're a Christian, you're a Bethel. You're a house of God. You're a you're a ladder. You're a, a portal between heaven and earth. That can bring down heavenly realities into earthly dominions and and realms. Now, thy gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day nor night. Now, remember he told Joshua meditate the word day and night. You know, and and that's a a, a theme. For meditation. So your meditation of God's word makes you a portal to heaven. Now let me ask you a question. Who was the leader of Israel after Moses? Joshua. So anything's going to happen governmentally with Israel. is going to happen. Here's a big clue for you. It's going to happen through Joshua, God's appointed leader. So how are we going to get the government of God into Israel through Joshua? Meditating day and night. Downloading, downloading, downloading all the time. Constant download. And as he downloads and his heart is full, he speaks it out and the purpose of God starts to manifest and and be built up from the foundations in Israel. That's what God wants from government leaders. And because he doesn't always get it, he, he wants it through leaders in Ecclesia. And if you're in Ecclesia, you're a Christian, you're immediately called to leadership, even if it's just apprenticeship, even if it's just training, because the purpose of the fivefold ministry, the leaders in God's ecclesia, is to raise up the ecclesia so that they they themselves become redundant because they've raised up mature sons and daughters who themselves become fathers and mothers to, to babes. That's how church is meant to work. That's how ecclesia is meant to work. That's how kingdom works, is that, the fathers train the children from babyhood all the way up to adolescence to become fathers and mothers themselves. Fathers don't raise sons, they raise fathers. Mothers don't raise uh, little girls, they raise mothers. In the natural it should be that way, and also, even more so in the spiritual. So, he says, your, gates, your portals will be open continually. They shall not be shut that men may bring unto thee the forces of the Gentiles. Okay, now we actually missed verse 5, and, and here's, uh, you yeah, know, it's not an accident, because I think we need to go back to it and read it in conjunction with verse 11. Verse 5 says, Then thou shalt see flow together, and thine heart shall fear, or, or, and be in enlarged, or it will throb with joy. Because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. What is the sea? The sea is the many waters of the earth, the economy of the earth. The abundance of the earth's economy shall be converted unto thee. Remember the fall of Babylon? The ships in the sea, the merchants, uh, and and Babylon sitting upon many waters and falls And the the sea is in turmoil. The sea is the world economy. But it says the abundance of the economy shall be converted unto thee or turned unto thee. That's wealth transfer. That's the transfer. How's it going to happen? I don't entirely know. But I do know that the power and the wealth and the riches, the substance of this world is going to be transferred into the hands of the people of God and the nations. Or, or, or wherever they are. It's wealth transfer. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Then he says, the forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. I want, I want to make a confession here. And, and I think I'm going to close it in these two verses and we'll come back to you. I want to make a confession. I, I didn't like the King James here. I preferred the New King James and most of the translations because they said, the wealth of the Gentiles or the wealth of the nations shall come unto thee. Not the forces of the Gentiles. And I thought, well, they shied away from saying wealth. Just just say wealth is coming. But you know, I went and studied out that word forces. And it's the Hebrew word kail. And it doesn't just mean money or wealth or riches, gold, silver, precious jewels. It means those things. But it doesn't just mean those things. It means far more. It means people, forces, armies, multitudes, you could say. It means, let me me say what it means. It means loads and loads of people, multitudes of people, with everything they have and everything they own. In other words, bringing in multitudes with their wealth. You know, someone gets saved, they come into church, they come to the Lord, and if they're properly saved, their money then is kingdom money. Your kingdom wealth, the money you have in your pocket, in your bank account, in your assets, your property—that's kingdom wealth. If you're a child of God, so it's not just about well, their money's coming because that's wonderful. If everybody, uh, you know, you could have the idea though that every sinner in the world that wasn't a Christian, all their money, we're going to get all their money. That's that's wonderful, but it doesn't just mean that we're not just going to get their money. We're going to get them. So I love the King James now because it's a more full encapsulation. God is saying these people are coming and they're coming with their money. They're coming to put everything they have and own into kingdom, into God's kingdom. They're coming full lot, stock and barrel. The forces, they're going to be like armies and armies and armies of nations are going to come or people from the nations will come. And it says that in verse 5, the forces, So I love the King James now. I do like the other versions talk talking about wealth because because that that's what it is, but it's not just financial wealth or stocks and shares or you know cars and it, it means that they're coming and they're bringing their wealth with them and it, it actually does say that here in this word that they're that they, they, they're coming. with their silver and gold with them. The sons are coming from far. And far can mean that they're far from God. And we look around, I look around Scotland, see a lot of people far from God. But they're coming in, and they're silver and their gold with them. In other words, they're coming fully committed. You know, churches will be financed. Ministries will be financed. If you're struggling as a minister of God right now, then the people are coming. You don't have many folks in your church or your ministry. People are coming and they're bringing their silver and gold with them. Then, of course, verse 11, their gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day and night. Maybe there's something to do with internet there. You get that? The internet is on all the time. So I believe this is talking a little bit about that, not entirely. But there is a dimension of that, that through the internet we reach people even when we're sleeping. All right. That men may bring unto thee, again that phrase, the forces of the Gentiles, the wealth of the nations, and that their kings may be brought. Let's let's just close it there. Let's in fact, let's close it by reading verse twelve, the next one, just so we can cap it off. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish here, those nations shall be utterly wasted. Talking just very quickly about the internet, just to close this. Uh watch somebody and I'd never thought about this. I mean I'm almost ashamed that I'd never thought about this. But I, I saw a lady on Christian television talking about Facebook and Twitter these big social media uh, meeting places and, and all these types of things. Instagram, I guess, too. And she said they're nations. Well, they are. They're groupings of people, You know, massive groupings of people. They, they, they actually represent nations in themselves. You can be in Britain, but be in Facebook nation and Twitter nation. You have got various accounts on, on, on Twitter, Parlour, Facebook We've got ministry stuff, YouTube, they're all nations so the taking of nations isn't just about physical nations and the, the sort of a geography of earth there's also that uh, online nation, there, there are also online nations and so maybe that's what that means about the gates will be open continually so that we can take through Facebook Twitter or, or, or take these nations for the kingdom And because their gates are always open. And that's exciting. Well, we're continuing this message. Isaiah 60, we've got a lot more to look at. I'm excited. And um, here in Scotland, we're really believing God for a mighty move of God that will flow out to the nations and engulf the nations, the glory of God in Scotland. We're taking Isaiah 60, and if you're Scottish, and even if you're not Be part of the Isaiah 60 generation. Be part of God's solution to the present crises that are in the nations. Believe God for a mighty outpouring of Holy Spirit and fire in your nation as we're believing for it here in Scotland. And just remember that Jesus is Lord and may God bless you super abundantly. Amen.